0: Well, good morning. good morning. I see we tricked you guys. We didn't tell you that I was speaking today, so that you all still came. No, are just... No, it's great to be... It's been a while since I've been up here, but, uh, and, you know, I always miss speaking, you know, and... Um, so it's good to be able to be up and, and share God's word with everybody in, in, in that way. And so uh, thank you for having me and thank you for being here today. It's been awesome with the music already, being able to worship God in that way, worship with each other and sharing our lives with one another. And, and now looking into God's word, it's just a great place to be today. So thank you for being here. And, you know, we're starting a new series um, today with, on being thankful. And, you know, as we're leading up to Thanksgiving and just having a month of Thanksgiving, you know, being thankful in our lives, you know, the world is just often uh, characterized by busyness and challenges and uncertainty. You know, so many times we focus on... um, being self-absorbed and and just worrying about our own things kind of like you know jennifer said we don't think about those people that do things like empty our trash until it's not done or it's not done the way we think it should be because we're just so self-absorbed so many times. And so it's easy to get distracted from the good that we all have in our lives and even within the world, the good that happens within the world. And so being able to look at things in a different perspective and being thankful, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of of problems in our life because that can help us to live a life that leads to peace and to true joy and a deeper connection within our faith when we just spend some time being thankful and you know that the concept of thankfulness is woven really into the very fabric of Christianity from the Psalms to the teachings of Jesus you know, we find numerous references, of course, that encourage us to embody uh, the spirit of, being grat- of gratitude in our lives and doing that on a daily basis, being grateful, <laughs> being grateful. And uh, it's a powerful tool that really transforms our lives. It transforms our perspectives and it helps align our hearts with the core values of our faith. And it just helps us to, to be reminded to be thankful. And so through this series, I just pray that, that I will and that you will be really ignite a, will ignite a fire within us to embrace thankfulness as an important part of our spiritual walk. You know, fostering a heart of contentment and, and joy regardless of what circumstance we might face uh, in, in the moment. And so today by doing that, we're going to be looking at Philippians 1, 3 through 8. And as we look at that, it, it says in verse 3, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, And so, you know, Paul begins this letter in Philippians by thanking God for the readers of this letter. And and, uh, he does that in almost all of his letters and all of the epistles. You know, but with the Philippians, Paul had this great relationship with them. It was heartfelt and he cared for them. And and he makes it very clear at the start of this letter how he feels about them. It wasn't just something that he did for show or something that he was just trying to make them feel good. It was something that was heartfelt. It was a natural overflow of his heart. And so we're looking at today at being thankful for one another. And so to start that, you know, looking at that, looking at being thankful for others around us, for fellow Christians, what I'd like to do is I would like you to take a part in this for a second. And just for like 30 seconds, I want you to talk to the person that's next to you about someone in your life, other than a spouse... So someone else in your life that you have this type of feeling about. Someone from the past or the present. Someone that you thank God for because of what they have done in your life. And then let them know, you know, why you feel that way about that person, all right? So just take just 30 seconds to talk to the person next to you about that. A lot of people like this in our lives. You know, we, uh, hopefully, we have a lot of people like this in our lives. You know, I know, for me, going through life, there have been several different points in my life where I've had people that I just have thanked God for in great ways because they were a part of my life. But you know, one person uh, for sure that you know throughout all my life that I I'll, I continue to thank God that I'm one of His friends this is a friend of mine named Jeff. And you know, Jeff is someone that you can just sit down with and talk about things and not worry about what you talk about. You know, it just kind of flows naturally in, in talking. And, and you don't have to worry about him really judging you. At least he doesn't say it to me. I don't know, he might, but. but or, or thinking that he's better than you, but listens. You know, and, and we can just talk, and and agrees with you know that a lot of times that he probably struggles with that as well, and you know there are times in the not so distant past where we would just sit for hours and and just talk about what God was doing in our lives and how He was working in our life and how we could um, help each other through those times and through those things, and it was such a great discipleship relationship that we had that you know, we held each other accountable and talked about things that really mattered in life and you know we also had a lot of fun and joked around it wasn't all serious the poor guy is a lot like me so we got along very well you know but um but I knew that if I had a problem in life and it was 1 a.m. in the morning that I could call Jeff and and he would answer and he would be tired but he would answer he was probably awake because we're both insomniacs but he would answer, you know, and he would, he would help me. And I knew that I could do that. And so I thanked God all the time for him. And to this day, for having someone like that in my life. And, and I still thank God for, for that, those times that we grew together in that friendship. And, you know, that's something that all Christians should experience and be a part of. It helps us to grow closer to God when we have those people in our life and Paul was saying these people that he was writing this letter to they were so great he said I I thank God for them and for what I gain from them And Paul, you know, from Scripture we know, you know, throughout Scripture, Paul wasn't an arrogant person. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, I'm the least of the apostles. And, you know, just like Jeff and my story, you know, Paul didn't think he had it all together, but he knew how they could help each other and, and help each other be better in their faith. And so the church should be filled with people like that. You know, it wasn't designed to be a place like a movie theater, you know, where we walk into our seats and we watch or participate a little bit, but sit down and listen and then go home and just start that process over again. You know, that's not being the church. That's consumerism, you know, that's just gaining things. And the church is, is meant to be more than that. You know, what, what fellow believers do you talk to through the week? Who do you encourage and help? Who do, you, who do you ask questions from? You know, maybe discuss the sermon from the week with or pray for one another or pray for another friend. That's the true church when we're connecting and being thankful to each other. You know, too many times we come and sit and listen and maybe do our little tasks that we have here at the church and then we leave and then that's it for the week. But in these verses, it's clear that Paul had a significant relationship with these people. And it wasn't what we usually put on as a relationship. It wasn't just talking about sports or work or the weather or shopping. You know, it was meaningful. It was something that he continually thanked God for, uh, even though they were miles apart. So what, what do we need to do? What do we need to have at the center of our relationships to have those kind of thankful relationships? And so that's what we're looking at today. Let's pray. Dearly, Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time that we can come together and, and worship you. And I just thank you for the opportunity that we have here at Journey Church to worship you in truth and in, and in spirit and in and and just share with one another your greatness. But I pray today that uh, your words will penetrate our hearts. That you'll prepare our hearts now to receive your words. That of what you want us to do in our lives and how you want us to to change and work in order to be closer to you and and draw others to you. I just pray you just clear our minds, our thoughts, our our hearts to listen to what you have to say through your word in Jesus name amen and so we're starting this series on being thankful and and where that shows up in our lives how we can be thankful and we look at each other Uh, We should be thankful for those fellow believers that are around us and and in our life. So we're going to look at a a group of people that Paul was so thankful for and why he was thankful for them, what it was about them that made him be so thankful. So then we can be those types of people to fellow Christians around us. So we can be thankful for one another here first thing that we see is that they prayed for each other in verse 4 you know even though Paul's in prison and couldn't be with the Philippians it didn't stop him from thinking about them and and that to leading him to pray for them it brought him joy uh, to be able to uh, as he thought about how God was working in their lives and working among them and that led him to pray for them. You know, our thoughts of fellow believers shouldn't just stop at thoughts or maybe warm feelings. But should be thoughts that lead us to pray for one another. And it, really it's a great way to pray. That as people come to our minds that you turn that remembrance into a prayer for them. You know, in Ephesians 6.18... It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, a couple weeks ago in a Thursday night Bible study, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says we pray without ceasing. And in Romans 12, that we are to be devoted to prayer. And we looked at how those verses don't mean that we should just quit everything else in life and just only pray all the time, you know, just spend all day praying. But what it means is that we should be frequent and common in our conversations with God, those conversations between us and our Lord. And when people come to our mind, that's when we should take some time to pray for them, to pray for their walk with God. Because we know, we know what it's like when people choose to grow towards their God. When they choose to be bold in their faith. When they choose to to live a life that shows, you know, that Jesus loves those around them. We know what happens, that Satan is then on the attack. He puts things in our way. And so we need to be praying for one another as we are growing closer to our God. And God uses prayer to change our hearts as well as to work in the hearts of those around us. So when we have a thought and we're thinking of those and we're being thankful for those around us, we should take time and pray for them. Second, we see that they served together in verses 5 and 7. We see that from day one, the Philippians joined alongside Paul. reaching people for Jesus and spreading the gospel it didn't take them a while to get started from from the very start they came alongside him in what he was doing they were active in serving God and Jesus you know if you look in what uh, Jesus talks about through the new testament he doesn't save people to just add church attendance to our checkoff list of things that we should do He doesn't save people just to live, you know, shiny, happy lives. But, or to just be self-centered like we always have been before. He saved us to serve. And, you know, that can mean lots of different things for different people and what it means to serve. You know, serving within the church. Or doing service outside of the church, serving others that are in need and helping others, giving them support, being there for others. But our main service needs to be what the Philippians did from day one when they partnered with Paul in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel needs to be confirmed through us. We're to defend the truth. You know, and Paul says that, and correct the wrongs. God's truth is, is being attacked, and always has been. And we are to defend that with the truth of God's word. Paul did that, and many others did that. But when you think of defense, you know, you kind of think, it kind of focuses on the negative. You know, you're, you're defending something, you're correcting an error. But what Paul talks about here is confirmation, you know, confirming the gospel, which is focusing on the positive task of setting forth the truth of the gospel of Jesus. You know, and its implications of what it does in our lives, how it affects us, how it affects the way we live, how it affects the way we treat those that are around us. And the gospel is confirmed through the church when our lives show that fruit of godliness. And we see that in First 1 Corinthians 1, 1.6. That even though it's, but even though it's more um, positively focused, you know, it's confirming what Jesus has done in our lives. Showing what, showing those around us what he has done for us. Telling them about the good news. It it's, has that more positive focus. The confirmation of the gospel is still a battleground. Because the enemy hates it when God's truth is set forth in a clear and practical manner. Because Christians then start sharing their faith. They start dealing with their sin. They start living holy lives and, and, and being, holding each other accountable. And so it draws fire. It creates controversy when you confirm the gospel of Jesus. And we need each other in that. But our main objective is confirming the gospel of Jesus. And we see that in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is what we are to be about. That is our objective with each other. To be a place that's about knowing Jesus, following Jesus, growing in Jesus. And through that, we're sharing Jesus. We can be thankful for church community and for each other. When we're supporting each other and sharing the gospel. And that draws us together when we do those types of things with one another. And third, we see that they trusted God to work in them. You know, Paul trusted that God would continue to work in the Philippians' lives and grow them. And we can be thankful when we can trust that God is working in each of our lives as well. You know there are a lot of times when fellowship can break down in a church because we see that there's another Christian that maybe isn't exactly the way I am on something. Maybe they don't share the same view on an issue or maybe it's how they interpret a doctrine or how to live through an issue. And as a Christian, I then get threatened by those who are different than myself. And so I take it on myself it's my task to change that person to be better so they can be like me. <laughs> I, we'll say things, you know, and, you know, we've, we probably have all done it at some point, caught ourselves saying, you know, we say things like, man, so-and-so really should have been at church today. <laughs> you know, we say that and, and, you know, and, and, you know, they really should have heard the sermon and, But when that happens, when we take that on upon ourselves, people sense our rejection, our attempts to push them, and and they draw back, and our fellowship is hindered. And so verse 6 really means that I am not responsible to change others. That's not my job. I am responsible to minister God's love, to minister God's truth to others in in a sensitive manner. Your scripture talks about showing sin to a fellow believer in love. That if someone is clearly wrong about a truth or innocent or immature in the way that they're living, I'm responsible to come alongside them and do all I can to help guide them and show them love. But most importantly, pray for them. But at the same time, I can trust that it's God's job to change that person if God has truly saved them God will finish his job and so I can relax, I can encourage people there, and maybe in some areas of weakness but I can also learn where, where I need to grow in my areas of weakness but remember that I am not the Holy Spirit because that only serves to break fellowship when I take that role on My job is to listen to the Holy Spirit for me and what I need to do. And we can be thankful that we're amongst those who trust that God is going to continue to change and grow us. To grow us closer to him and closer to one another. To be more like him. And then fourth, we see that they cared for each other. In verse 8. You know, when we look at this, <laughs> Paul's love for these people, it was so great that only God could vouch for Paul's true feelings about his Philippian friends because it just ran so deep. It was a statement of fact that was not just wanting to hang out with friends, you know, and have fun, but was prompted by the very affection Of Jesus. And it was through that indwelling of Jesus that produced this fruit of love in Paul by the Holy Spirit. That it enabled him to yearn for them and to care for them and be concerned for them. You know, so much with it said, with the compassion of the Lord. And when you think about that, you know, the love that's like the compassion of our Lord just let that sink of caring for another human as our Lord cares for us. The one who came to earth, who gave his life for us, that was merciful to us, who loved us so much that he died in our place so that we might live. That was the type of, that was the type of compassion that Paul had and felt for these fellow believers. You see, sin and wrong in our lives divides us from people that are different than us. And that could be lots of different things, whether it's racially or culturally, you know, lots of different ways that it can divide us. But the love of Christ unites us. And not just intellectually, but with a heartfelt love, with a compassion. And it, it's not a love that's manipulative, you know, that we try to use the, that person to our advantage to get something from that. But it truly seeks God's best for another person. And sometimes that even comes at a personal inconvenience or a personal sacrifice, But it all harkens back to the point that we are called to serve one another, to put others before ourselves, to to care for and serve one another. Those who are fellow believers of Jesus Christ should be the ones that we care and have compassion for the most. And if we're honest with ourselves, you know, that can be difficult sometimes. I know some of you and you all know some of me, right? And that can be hard. It can be hard to do. But when we pray for one another, when we serve with one another, when we count on God to grow each other, then there is a bond that is rooted in our Savior, and that goes beyond anything that we could ever think about or conjure up. That word affection there that's used is, that meaning comes from, uh, of, of something from within your bowels or your inner vital organs. It's something that comes from so deep within inside of you, within you, it's so vital That it could only be described through the love that God has for us. That we share with one another. And this is what it should be like to be thankful for those that are around us. That call themselves followers of Jesus. Because we have a family. And that could be closer than any blood relative because... We're rooted in the love and blood of Jesus. And it's really a great part of being a Christian and being a part of Christian living. But we know we can only gain that first through the love of Jesus and having him first in our life. Because through Jesus, we have the access to our God, our creator, he bridges that gap for us because our sin, our wrong, separates us from our creator. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in our place, to die for our sins, for our wrongs, so we could have forgiveness and be connected to our God again. In Romans ten eight, it says, but well, what does it say? The word is near you, and it's in your mouth and in your heart. That, that is the message confer- concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe that Jesus died for you, that he rose again three days later... For our forgiveness. So that we could be connected to our God again. If we make him our Lord. The one that we follow. The one who guides us in life. That we give our life to. Scripture says you will be saved. That means that you will be saved in this life. From a meaningless life. That you will have uh, a purpose and a compassion for people. That you will have people in your life that we talked about today that we can be thankful for. But it also means that you will be saved in death. That instead of being separated from God for eternity when you die, because, our, because of our sin, that we would be in a place of torment called hell. Instead, we will be forever in the presence of our God in heaven. As if our sins didn't exist because through Jesus we have forgiven us. You can start that today. You can make that decision today. You can talk to me or to Pastor John or someone else that you trust here about that. Or you can pray right where you are and tell God that you need him. That you know you've sinned against him. That you have done wrong and and ask him to forgive you of those wrongs. That you believe he died for you and rose again. And you're giving your life to him. And that's the start of being part of a family. A group of people here at Journey Church and throughout the world. People that we are connected with through the love of Jesus. That we can be thankful for. Let's pray. Dearly, Father, Lord, I just thank you for the time we come and and spend in your word, that you have given us the truth of your word to make an impact in our lives. I pray that today we we don't leave from here with just more head knowledge or things that we know or... Pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, "I'm good at that." But we leave here ignited on fire for you, changed for you, so that we can go from here and and tell others about the love of our God and and show them how they can be thankful for us. As thank you in Jesus' name. In a moment, we're going to participate in communion together. And it's a time that we set aside as a church to remember together what Jesus has done for us by dying on that cross, by raising again to life those three days later, to be thankful for each other. So for those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of our life, this is a time of reflection. When we look into our lives and see, are there things that we need to make right? Forgiveness that we need to ask for. Changes in our life that we need to commit to, to show that we're living for the one true God. And if you're new to the journey, or you haven't taken that step in following Jesus with your life, then, you know, don't give in to the pressure to, to just follow what everyone else is doing. It's okay to just observe and see but for those of us that have given our life to Jesus, this is a celebration of what God has done for us, a reminder of his love so that we can go and live for him. And in a second, I'm going to pray and, and the band's going to play a song. And as they do, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've given your life to him. And I just ask that you would stand and go to either side of the auditorium and pick up the elements for communion. But then as you head back to your seat and the band continues to play, I just want you to take some time to think and pray, reflect on living a life that is pleasing to to our God and being thankful for what he has done. And maybe ways that you can be the person that someone around you can be thankful for. Maybe during this time, it could be a time that you want to give your life to Jesus. For the first time. And take this time to pray. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to make you new, to be the Lord of your life, the one that you will follow and obey. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, I come before you and just thank you for the love that you have shown to us through your Son Jesus. I pray that as we participate in this communion, That you will warm our hearts, draw us to remembrance of you and what you have done for us. So that we can go out and live our lives for you. In Jesus' name. Matthew 26 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given it thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink all of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as Jesus and his disciples gathered to eat and remembered the purpose of the Passover, Jesus made this new promise, a promise to spare us eternal death, to cover our sins by his own blood, pouring himself out so that if we believe, we can have a relationship with him forever. The promise offered as protection during the Passover was just a dim offering one reflected upon the great promise that jesus made and fulfilled a promise of life forever first corinthians 11 says the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the symbol of the broken bread we participate in the life of Christ and dedicate ourselves to being his disciples until he returns. Let's eat together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup. In verse 25, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. In the symbol of this cup, we participate in the new life that Christ brings through his sacrifice through us. Let's drink together. other. You know, the early believers celebrated together on a regular basis. In Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone who was filled with awe and uh, wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to one another as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Seems like they were pretty thankful for each other. So may we live lives that reflect the love of our God so others are thankful for us that they will want to live lives for our God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray that as we participate in this reminder of your sacrifice for us, that we will go from here in a new light, that we will live, talk, treat others the way that you would want us to, so that others will want to know the love of our God. I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us here today at Journey Church. I appreciate everybody here. Go out today and be thankful for one another. And find ways that you can help others be thankful for you. Thanks.